Totally Football Show. Today, Nations League. If Harry Maguire can't get his head around it, what chance do you have? Well, we make it easy with our nation explanation. As England plays Spain, France plays Germany, and most intriguingly of all, Wales have Ireland and Denmark. How will they fare against this nation forced to field an amateur side by internal conflict? And how will the Denmark game go? All that, plus Robert Earnshaw's Space Jammy, La Liga's Ronaldo Whammy, and David Beckham's Inter Miami in the Totally Football Show. Hey everybody, pow! It's UEFA's brand new theme tune, Giorgio Twinford and Frank van der Heyden, responsible for that gem. Hello, James Horncastle. Hello. Hello, Julian Laurent. Hello. And hello, Alvaro Romeo. Hello. Hello there. Commentator for TalkSport International, of course, and a very accent-tastic show we have for you today, listener. That's, first of all, it's one of the most exciting international weekends that I can remember this, and that's such a great piece of music, isn't it, Julien? Love it. I like the logo. I like everything about it. It's yeah. new. It's a bit different. I don't find it too confusing, but okay. I think it's cool. Excellent. What about you, Alvaro? You must be pumped about the game against England. Well, I think that Spain uh, needs to play against a team like England for once, just to see what the real level is, because against Russia, I think that uh, when we were knocked out from the World Cup, we didn't see that. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, you got uh, knocked out on penalties by Russia. Absolutely, yes, absolutely. But I think that it was also a matter of motivation playing against Russia. Uh, wasn't what the Spanish players needed. Uh, mm-hmm. All that said, and I think that the, the anthem lo- sounds very monumental, mm-hmm. as if uh, an army was going to attack you, a full army. So I really like it that way, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, for example, if you were to do this. Yeah, that would work. Mm. Excellent. Well, we've got so much to discuss, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, mention Harry Maguire, who said about the Nations League, the boss tried to explain it to us the best he could the other day. It took a lot of studying. It is confusing. We're just trying to get our heads around it. For us players... Slap heads. <laughs> for us players, we just go into each game trying to win it and see where it takes us. Mm. All right. I mean, listener, you know how it works. But, James, how does it work? <laughs> Well, James, the 55 Euro nations are arranged into four tiers, leagues A to D, based on their FIFA ranking. Mm. Each tier is split into four groups, and guess what? England, who are in the top tier, believe it or not, they've got Spain and Croatia. France, the world champions, uh, have Germany and, and the Netherlands, for example, in, in, in our group, and we, those teams play each other home and away over 10 weeks between you know, September, October and, and November, and after that, the top team in each group earns promotion and the bottom team drops. Wow. And the four group winners in the top tier go into a knockout final in June to decide the first ever Nations League winner. So does this replace the European Championships, James? Well, as for the next Euros, Jim Paul, UEFA say they've actually streamlined qualification. Um, So it starts in March 2019 with 10 groups and the top two in each group will qualify automatically for Euro 2020. That, of course, leaves four places at Euro 2020, which will be filled by the top-ranked teams in the Nations League groups that haven't already qualified. UEFA, you're welcome. You know, what it actually means, more than anything, is that we're going to get to see some really, really, really top games. Instead of, say, England against Slovakia or whatever, we've got England against Spain, we've got the double world champion whammy of, of, of France taking on Germany. And also for the smaller nations, like, I don't know, Malta, they're going to be playing the Faroe Islands. So, you know, something a little bit more... The, the idea was always to, to face teams of the same level. Instead mm. of having those friendlies at times that are completely, you know, unbalanced and, you know, some big nations end up winning 4-0 or even not, not really keen on playing those kind of games. At least you play a team of your level. And if you do well against them, then you can get into a tougher group and then see how well you can do and mm. even if that means then you know the next one you, you, you get relegated again but I'll, you know at least it's, it's a bit more even I think and it's quite interesting It's thumbs up so far where we wait for the first game to be played which is going to be 4 o'clock this Thursday afternoon we'll talk about some of the fixtures that have got us most moist after this 
You're listening to The Totally Verbal Show with James Richardson. England, Spain, coming up on Saturday. The nation, James, had a summer fling with the national team, which ended a little bit too soon against Croatia, who they've drawn once again in, in the group. That's coming up, uh, the clash with Croatia in, in October for England. But what, what are your thoughts about Saturday night at Wembley against Spain? I think, yeah, Southgate's obviously gone with a lot of continuity, kind of stuck with the same group, um, uh, the same squad, more or less, that we, we had at the World Cup. So, yeah, I, I expect to see the love train back in action. <laughs> How will Sergio Ramos deal with that? I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> with his elbows, I guess. Right. <laughs> what, what, what's been the kind of... Has there been much talk in the Spanish press, Alvaro, in the run-up to this game? Mm, I think so, yes. But uh, not uh, for the sake of the UEFA Nations League itself, oh. but for the sake that we've got a new manager mm-hmm. and uh, he's, he's got, he wants to break with the past. And I think that uh, it's not good to try to break with the past and start over again uh, playing against England at Wembley I mean the difference between the format to qualify for the Euro that we had before and the format that we've got now with the UEFA uh, Nations League is the fact that uh, there is a huge increase in the amount of competitive uh, games played Mm. Uh, to qualify for Euro 2016 you have to play a maximum of 12 to qualify for Euro 2020 you have to play a maximum of a maximum of 16. So there are four more competitive games and Luis Enrique will have, will have to deal with all this straight away from the beginning. Uh, there are some absentees that are quite uh, relevant, I would say, the likes of Jordi Alba, for example, the right. likes of Coque. Uh, Luis Enrique had a spat uh, with Jordi Alba back uh, at his time in Barcelona. Uh-huh. And uh, it's still to be seen whether Luis Enrique is capable of uh, giving electric shock to this Spanish team that seemed to be sleepy during the World Cup. Right. He is the right person for that. He's a Champions League winner. And I believe that Spain will have much more... Um, intensity than they had in the past. Okay, I, I have a couple of questions. One is, what happened with Diego Costa that he, he left the, the squad? Personal reasons. Uh, it's a bit strange uh, because on Monday, after saying that he wasn't going with the Spanish national team, he was still training at Atletico de Madrid uh-huh. and then uh, he picked uh, an niggling injury. So let's see how it goes with Diego Costa. What is for sure is that there is a replacement, uh, Diago Aspas, yes. uh, the, for the Celta striker. And uh, I think that he will deputize really well for Diego Costa, uh, meaning this as well, that Alvaro Morata may have a chance. I mean, he recognized last week that he, his mind was gone from football last mm. season. Uh, he couldn't find himself on the pitch. And uh, perhaps Alvaro Morata here at Wembley can find the motivation to perform again. Yeah. A chance for Alvaro Morata. I yeah. like the team building exercise that Luis Enrique had been doing, which is to get all the players in what an escape room yes, where you have to work out how, you know, how to get mm-hmm. out. Really? Yeah. And how did that play out? They, I think they've got out. They did. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's all about no IQ in there, like uh, like you mentioned before with Harry Maguire. Ah, yeah. <laughs> so, one, one more interesting thing about Luis Enrique, he's applying the methods that he applied back at Celta. So basically he puts an scaffolding uh, in the training ground and he oversees the training from the heights. Okay. Which is something that he didn't do at Barcelona, but he's, uh, he's doing again. All right. Excellent. Excellent. Of course, uh, building a scaffolding for the national team manager is, is something that, uh, that I think they were thinking of for Julian Lopetegui after he signed for Real <laughs> Madrid. But uh, hey, that's a little bit dark. It's, um, also, it's also a Spanish team without, you know, without Pique, without David Silva and yep. without Andres Iniesta as well. And you yeah. know, it's, it's only three players, but they're so big that it feels a bit like the end of an era as well. And you're like, you, you wonder how they're going to cope with, you know, without, I mean, especially Pique right, because behind... You're talking behind, up behind, England, aren't you? No, no, no. I mean, you know, you beat Panama, so you should be confident. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Before I get abused. No, but, I mean, Alvaro would, would know more than me, but David Silva and, and Iniesta are two huge losses, obviously, but there's so much talent in those positions be, you know, behind them, anyway, to come younger and etc. For Pique, however, in terms of, of centre-backs, mm-hmm. you know, behind Sergio Ramos and Pique, it's, you know, there's not much Après coming through. Deluge. Yeah, it's a bit like... Oh, okay. What's going next? going to be either uh, Nacho, Real Madrid defender, he can uh, feature as a centre-back, or Cesar Azpilicueta, uh, who has been playing as a, as a centre-back for Chelsea, but uh, in a three-defender line. Right. So this is going to be slightly tricky because Luis Enrique plays with a 4-4-2. There are uh, some absentees that retire from international football, Silva, Piqué and Iniesta, and I don't think that no one in the squad is as good as they were. Right. So Spain is definitely not as good as two months ago. Oh, okay. Meanwhile, picking up his second cap is Marcos Alonso, hmm. who's in exceptional form 
and has been for a while. How has he only got? How is this only his second cap? Mm, because Julian Lopetegui preferred to cap some other players, and Marcos Alonso perhaps never had uh, any success in the Spanish league, uh, meaning that that uh, you needed to have a satellite uh, television to to see how good he was for Chelsea under Antonio Conte. But Marcos Alonso is going to be the key man now in the oh, Spanish yeah. left hand side, I think, because Jordi Alba is no longer there, and uh, given his uh, turbulent relationship with Luis Enrique, perhaps Jordi Alba will no longer play for Spain. Ooh. So I think that it's a good time for Marcos Alonso, for Saúl Níguez, for Sergi Roberto, maybe Kepa, the goalkeeper, to become important in the Spanish national team. Kepa, whose second name is, Álvaro? Arrizabalaga. Not easy, I know. Is he, he's from where you're from, yeah? Yes, the Basque yeah. country, yeah. Okay, go. all right. <laughs> okay, well, it was 2-2 last time these two teams faced, faced each other. That was at Wembley, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, well, we'll have to see how that plays out on, on Saturday. Also, there's France and Germany. We'll hear Jules's thoughts on that, that extraordinary Wales-Denmark game. And also, what Italy, Italy have qualified for this one, James. <laughs> yeah, pending relegation to Group B. Right. <laughs> yeah. you, you laugh, but we'll hear more about all of that after this. He lines up to hit it, and yes! It's deflected for a corner! That's over 12 corners! Yes! <clears throat> no time to take it, though. It's finished nil-nil. What a result! Sorry, our fault. You see, with same-game multi-bets from Paddy Power, you can combine multiple selections from one match into one bet, and you'll get money back as a free bet if one leg of your four-fold same-game multi-bet lets you down. Paddy Power, enough of the nonsense. Applies to pre-match four-fold same-game multi-bets on UK and top European leagues. Max free bet £10 per customer per day, minimum odds. Exclude shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18plusbgambleaware.org. Monday 24th of September, listener. The FIFA Best Awards are taking place at the Festival Hall in London. Cristiano Ronaldo will be there. Luka Modric will be there. Mo Salah. Will Cristiano Ronaldo will be Chris- there? I'm just thinking, will he be there? <laughs> we'll see. But I tell you what, I will be on stage. Ah. And so will you, James Horncastle, Michael Cox and Duncan Alexander in a different room, admittedly, <laughs> in the Southbank Centre for Totally Football Live. But I know which one I'd rather be at. Yeah. What's but the I'd real be best? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, hey, listen, if you want to come and join us at our thing with the cool kids, then southbankcentre.co.uk for all your ticketing needs. If, by chance, you're based in the Manchester area and you're busy on the 24th September, but the 5th of October sounds more to your liking, then, hey, we'll be at the Royal Northern College of Music. We'll pull up there on the 5th of October in our transit van and pile out me, Rory Smith, Daniel Storey and James Horncastle again. Tickets for that, the few that are left... You can find at ctickets.com. That's S-E-E tickets.com. Although you might know this because if you went to the Football Weekly event in Manchester this week, they were handing out flyers for our show there, which must have gone down <laughs> really well. Right, so much to look forward to this weekend. Northern Ireland uh, are on Friday. They're in the second tier. They're taking on Bosnia-Herzegovina in their promotion push. Italy... I've got Poland on Friday and then Portugal away, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Okay, we talked more about that in Golazzo, uh, which is all about Qualiolella and his extraordinary goals and his even more incredible backstory. Yeah, check uh, it so out. Check that out. Uh, Scotland have Albania on Monday. And Israel, no? They're in the third tier, Scotland. Christian Panucci's Albania. Oh, yeah. Of course, he's they with love, a lovely beard these days. After the Blasi as well. They love an Italian manager. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't, Jules? Who doesn't? <laughs> Uh, Wales, meanwhile, have Ireland, and then they are visiting a Denmark team hastily cobbled together from, well, futsal players and YouTubers. Here's their manager. I've had a chat with every single player on the plane on our way here. I do not know any of them in advance. Therefore, I've had to take it all the way from the bottom and ask what their names are and what position they play. Yeah, Ryan Giggs there. I think it was a similar... <laughs> I'm joking, of course. Uh, I think it was a similar experience for uh, Jon Jensen when mm. he met up with the Denmark squad. They've already played a game together. Yeah, and it went really well. Um, they lost just 3-0. Yeah, Slovakia. against Slo- Slovakia with yeah. Marit Hamzic and mm. uh, Skirtle. So, proper team. This is all because, as you probably read, listener, of a dispute over the national side's commercial rights. If they don't fulfil the fixture, they could get kicked out of the Nation League. Right. I th- it's it's a really interesting... It's it's become a really interesting game because of this. I, mean, I think UEFA should be thanking them. Well, I believe that uh, this is uh, something that may happen in the future when, 
in some other nations as well. We have seen Mohamed Salah, for example, having a problem with the Egyptian Federation as well. Right. But this is very exciting as well because uh, it gives you the chance to compare uh, what uh, so-called footballers uh, are and how good they are mm -hmm. in comparison to top professional footballers. I'm checking here the statistics of uh, Denmark versus uh, Slovakia. And uh, Slovakia had it so easy that it had the 73% of the possession, they kick all the corners, mm -hmm. all the shots on target in there. And the Denmark team, I haven't been able to watch the whole game, but... Uh, apparently weren't just good enough. And I think that uh, it can be also a way of valuing how good professional football is. But go, moving forward, right. um, this is going to be um, affecting the Dennis team a lot if it doesn't uh, get solved as soon as possible. And some of the key figures, like Kasper Schmeichel and uh, Christian Eriksen, are very adamant uh, in their positions. So it seems that the negotiations are totally broken. Right. They're adamant that the Danish Federation must stand and deliver on the... <laughs> Commercial rights. Ask your parents. Okay, uh, you're. You know, were Spain to have a similar issue, Alvaro? Uh, Michael Cox has told us that you're quite a five-a-side player. Uh, yeah, I try to be. I try uh, to be. Also, yeah. didn't your cousin appear in a Copa del Rey game yesterday? Yes. Just yesterday. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Okay, who was that, and how did it go? <laughs> he didn't play because uh, the cup is given to to the players, the, to the non-regulars okay. uh, in Logroñez, his team. Uh, but he's a good striker, actually. He, oh, played, yeah? he played for Spain um, under 17, under 16, with David De Gea, Boyan, Fran Merida, former Arsenal player. But he never made it to the top flight. But yeah, if I can do some PR of him here, uh -huh. that would be excellent. His name is Ander Vitoria. Nice. <laughs> also, he's he's stepped into the the considerable boots of of Oleg Selenko, no? Who yeah. used to who used to play for that team? Logrones. Logrones. Yeah. Logrones. Yeah. Uh, Long time ago, though. Long time ago, in the nineties. Yeah. Logrones yeah. was a classic top flight team. Mm. But uh, you know uh, how it goes uh, when a team goes into bankruptcy and all that. The team is split in two different teams. Actually, there are two Logrones Logro now. Logro and Nes. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Why not? They are funnily enough, both they are called the same way, Logrones, but with the different initials at the beginning. Right. Uh, it's like UB40, they had a very similar thing, no? Yeah. <laughs> no, like Ali Campbell's touring and his brother and the rest are doing and they're both called UB40. Yeah, exactly. What's like, called provisional UB40? I'm not sure. <laughs> or like the Manchester United and uh, the other club in Manchester run by uh, the fans, but one is rich and the other one is yeah, poor. Exactly. In this case, in Logroñez, both are poor. All right, okay, that, that's amazing. <laughs> All right, well, keep us up to date on your cousin's uh, progress. Penguin of Truth, though, just on that. Wales Denmark game or Denmark Wales uh, says is Ryan Giggs in a no-win situation if he beats the Danish fourth string side there's no glory lose it and it'll be a major catastrophe plus no possibility of scouting or preparing Giggs must be livid because he's, he's big on doing the groundwork isn't it? yeah I mean I think as long as he repeats the, the kind of team talk that we, we showed him give what towards the end of his brief spell at Manchester United they'll be fine they'll be you know, fine they'll be fine lads it's YouTubers on the subject of internationals, by the way, Scotland's women's team beat Albania on Tuesday night and qualified for their first ever World Cup. So that's good. Yeah. England, of course, got through, it was last week, that 3-0 win over Wales. They followed that up with a 6-0 win over Kazakhstan uh, with their manager Phil Neville enjoying spectacular success. Um, no doubt the fruit of his remarkably thorough... The word is not stalking. Uh, the word is... Um, Backup for his players, no? As he as he explained, he's he's in touch with all thirty of the squad. He knows where they are and what they're doing twenty four hours a day. It's remarkable. That must not in any way feel uncomfortable. Of the Neville brothers, he is the big brother. Right. Yeah. What was that word that Yap Stam used about them? Busy, busy. See you next Tuesday. <laughs> busy. Yeah. So he's keeping keeping busy. But that's wonderful. Brilliant stuff for them. And the women's World Cup happens, Jules, in France next summer. Right, that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be great, yeah. It's one that Italy did actually qualify for. Ah, okay, right. Superb. All right, hey, speaking of France, Jules, you're about to go and catch a flight because? Because they're playing Munich tonight uh, against Germany away for their first game as World Cup champions. <laughs> I, it's so, so sweet to say. So yeah, sweet no, say. and we don't get tired of hearing it either. No, I mean, so... four years, I don't care, for four years. Right, and... Um, any squad news that we should know? I mean, continuity really is the key word there. Deschamps called up uh, 21 players out of the 23 that were in Russia. The two missing are Mandanda and Lloris simply because they're injured. Otherwise, they would, be, they would be here. I think it's partly also because on Sunday there will be a little ceremony in Paris for the, before the Netherlands game. Uh -huh. um, so it made sense that the whole, the whole, the whole squad would be there. I think it's still open and maybe in the, the near future even we see some new faces maybe and people... 
you know, dropping out. But right now, it made sense for Deschamps to just call back the same same people. Okay, usually when teams, France, for example, go away to Clairefontaine, you get all the players coming out with controversial remarks about their club situation. Has, has there been anything from Pogba, for example? No, I mean, it's been really short because they met up on Monday and it was those scenes were quite... It, it was There was a lot of happiness, a lot of hugs, a lot of love. They had that big banner saying, you know, welcome to our champions, two big stars at the bottom of the stairs that you go up to, to go to the just, building. Just two? Just two, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I mean... Obviously, if you count the one before Second World War and all that, I'm not sure it's, it's very relevant. But yeah, just two for now, but only in the last 20 years, though. Yeah, um, oh, that is impressive. Yeah, it is impressive. No, no, but so there's a lot of love. loads of stars. How, how worried yeah. are you about Germany? Um, I think they're in transition. And I think, you know, it's a big game for Yogi for your Love, for example, because they can't, if they get battered by France tomorrow, the pressure will increase so much on him that you wonder how he will come out of that. I think he got really lucky to get to get quite lightly from, from the debacle at the World Cup. Uh, I think someone like Thomas Müller, again, it's a huge game for him because there's some very good youngsters coming through and I think he, f- he will feel the pressure. And, and I think for us, there's no pressure. I mean, it's, you know, the, the, the boys are so happy to be back together. The, the momentum and the dynamic is incredible. The, the positive, not just of winning the World Cup, but of having something, they're all so young that they all believe and they show on the first one that, you know, it's only the beginning, if you want. It potentially could be only the beginning of, of you know, a really good run at it. And I think they're, they're very looking forward to seeing how the next two, four, six years, even eight years pan out. Jules, a certain amount of uh, unhappiness within the squad. No Urzel, of course, because of those issues. But Leroy Sané is in the squad, although that's not to everyone's liking, Jules. Yeah, some weird comments by Tony Cruz uh, this week publicly as well, saying that, you know, Leroy Sané could be a great player for Germany, but right now he doesn't really care if he wins or loses, uh, questioning his attitude, which is which is not something new. I mean, Pep Guardiola and also Yogi Love, uh, I've, I've sort of mentioned that a little bit, I've mm. highlighted it a bit in terms of Leroy Sané's attitude, but coming from Tony Cruz when they're they're together in the same squad. I mean, it must have been awkward at breakfast the next morning. Like, hey, hi. <laughs> oh, and, you know, it's not really the, the vibe that you should have when not just you're in transition, but you had a you know really bad last tournament. Lirosani wasn't there, but he's back. And that's the way he's welcomed back by one of the key players mm. in, in that team. It's a bit weird, I thought. Definitely. Right. OK. For Holland also in that group. Tough group now. What, uh, what do we know about the current state of the Netherlands? It's not good. I don't think that they've got a, a terrifying squad as they did in the past. Uh, in fact, if you, if you check it thoroughly, uh, many of the Dutch players, they wouldn't make it to the, to the German or the French national team. Uh, really? Yeah, I really, I really think, so, think so. Yeah, In the past, they had like a, always like some referential players in their positions. Not anymore. I think that France and Germany are a million times better than Netherlands at the minute. But, of course, uh, playing at the Netherlands is never easy. What I think is that uh, Germany and France they are going to show a class of styles because I believe that in the last six years uh, there has been this new French style that uh, is very physical. They play good football, but they are mainly physical and they bully every player. And Germany is just the opposite. Mm. Uh, believe it or not, they have tried to play really beautiful football over the last years. And when the World Cup finished, I remember that there was this debate in Spain whether Spain should adopt a more of a French style. Cool. Uh, and, and yeah, so maybe France is uh, setting now a new tendency, but I think that Germany are going to be quite uh, quite loyal to, to the Joachim Lowe uh, style, which relies a lot on the ball. The other love train. Wow. There's so much to look forward to over the next few days. It all begins today among the fixtures, Wales Ireland, which we haven't really touched on. Again, they face each other. A lot of, a lot of history between those two sides. Uh, recent history, indeed. And uh, we'll, we'll discuss how that went, of course, in Monday's a Tudley Football Show when we're joined by Michael Cox, Daniel Story, and Tom Williams. On this show, though, listener, hang about because still to come, we've got Ronaldo back in La Liga, the latest on MLS, Wayne Rooney, and that new Miami side, and your questions. You're listening to the Totally Football Show, sponsors of Melchester Rovers. Find out more at RoyTheRoversOfficial.com. Hey, listener, are you in Miami? You lucky thing. Uh, your new MLS team has just got a name. David Beckham announcing that the franchise is going to be called Club Internacional. You should say this, actually, Alvaro. What's it going to be called? 
club internacional de fútbol Miami. It's a funny mix of Spanish and English. Uh, mm. Spanglish, as they call it in Miami. Ah, there you go. <laughs> so, Inter-Miami. Is it actually officially called Inter-Miami or is that just what everyone's adopted? I think that this is going to be the, yeah, the yeah. abbreviation to it. No? Inter-Miami yeah. FC, yeah. yeah. All right, okay. They'll kick off life in MLS in 2020. Now, our friend George Koreshi from The Athletic actually lives in Florida and, of course, he's been keeping us updated on the progress of the new team over the years. So producer Ben caught up with him a little earlier to talk about all sorts of things, starting with reaction to into Miami's name. You know, they announced this at 5 a.m. in Miami time, which is just about when people are leaving the clubs, I guess. They, they filed the, uh, the trademark with Internacional Club de Football, uh, someone realized that in Spanish, usually the adjectives come after the subject. So now the team name is Club Internacional de Football. It's definitely the most tangible thing we have for this club, uh, which was announced uh, four years ago. They still don't have a stadium. There's a referendum coming uh, in November about whether they want to turn uh, a public golf course into you know, a stadium and hotel and business park complex. Uh, so until that happens, uh, everyone here, I think, is still a little skeptical. But um, you know, there's a, there's a nice new black, pink and white logo for everyone to look at. Well, George, Miami are a good few seasons away from coming into MLS. So let's talk about the current league and let's talk about Wayne Rooney. He's uh, at DC United. And we talked a couple of weeks ago on the show about his amazing tackle and assist uh, that led to uh, an amazing win for the team. Um, How's he getting on over there in the capital? Oh, man. Rooney, I think, you know, there, we, we have a long history of, of uh, retired or, I guess, in the retiring, slowly retiring European players coming back and, and playing here in the U.S. Um, you know, you never know what you're going to get. Uh, Rooney's been a real surprise, I think. And, you know, that, that goal, he just looked 10 years younger, didn't he? You know, D.C., uh, they had two wins in 14 games before he showed up, and they've won six of the last 11 with him in the lineup. So uh, they've been very impressive. And the, the nice thing for them is that because they opened their uh, – their new stadium in mid-July, they have a few games in hand uh, on the teams ahead of them in the playoff race. So I think they just need to bypass Vancouver and they'll they'll be in the postseason. And MLS, you know, all you need to do is have a, a nice run in, uh, in October, November, and, and you've won everything. So they could very well make it deep into the playoffs. Over on the other coast, Rooney's former Man U teammate, Zlatan. Uh, he's at LA Galaxy and he started amazingly well there when he joined them. Um, but I've just been looking at the table for the Western Conference and it looks like the Galaxy could miss out on the playoffs this season. Um, I imagine Ibra's being typically quiet and humble about all of that. Yeah, it'll be better than last season when they were really atrocious. Um, but LA is a, a strange team. They they have a very, very good attack. Zlatan has 16 goals and 8 assists and 21 appearances, um, which which is... Very good. He's he skipped a couple of games. He skipped the MLS All Star game and a, a game recently in Seattle because they were being played on artificial turf. The problem for LA is their defense is atrocious. I mean, they they've scored the third most goals in MLS with 51. They've let in the most goals in MLS with 54. So that sort of tells you the story. Uh, and Zlatan seems to be getting a little bit frustrated. He was sent off for slapping an opponent in May. He was fined last week for slapping a different opponent. Um, and LA has not won in their last six, and that includes uh, losses of five to nil and uh, six to two. Wow. <laughs> He also said, I want to help my teammates win and I'm here for the moment. So all of you should enjoy while I'm here. <laughs> so that sounds uh, noncommittal. <laughs> well, uh, enjoy it while it lasts. Uh, let's talk about finally the national team, George. Um, you didn't make it to Russia, of course. And David Moyes was linked with the manager's job recently. Are things really that bad? Oh, man. Uh, no one really knows. You know, they created a new position uh, called, you know, general manager of the national team. So this this person is supposed to take some of the some of the uh, responsibilities that uh, the former president of U.S. soccer had, Sunil Gulati, um, who doesn't really know that much about soccer. He knows, he knows business pretty well, but, but not really the game. Uh, they hired Ernie Stewart, who was a, a longtime U.S. national team player and played in, played in Holland as well. And uh, the reports are that he's yet to interview a single candidate. So even though um, you know, there have been a few people uh, linked to the job of uh, several MLS uh, coaches and a few uh, from overseas, Really, nobody has any any clue right now what's what's going to happen. Uh, and Dave Sarakin, who was um, you know I guess the uh, the topmost guy on on the Titanic that went down against Trinidad and Tobago, uh, he was an assistant coach on that team, but managed to uh, scramble off the ship into a lifeboat. He's been shepherding this team in its post World Cup 
haze. And uh, yeah, we've got we've got a game against Brazil coming up. We have called in a, an interesting team. It sort of highlights some of the weaknesses of this team. We don't have a, a great striker. Uh, there's with Christian Pulisic out uh, with Dortmund with a, some sort of muscle injury. We don't really have uh, much of an attacking presence from the midfield. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see what this looks like. I'm anticipating a bit of a bunker. But then again, that worked for us in our uh, last friendly, which uh, in which you may recall, we, we tied France, uh, soon to be world champion France. George Koreshi. Sign up to The Athletic at theathletic.com. Now, questions. Scoop, a.k.a. Jonas Kerr, says, could you ask the panel, would they like the away goals rule scrapped from the Champions League Europa League, as was discussed this week at the Coaches Conference in Neon? Did you see this, Jules? Yeah, I would scrap it. Yeah, yeah, okay. I was crappy. I think um, I can understand the the argument that it's harder to score away from home than at home. That's why every team scores more at home than, than away from home. Mm-hmm. I get that. I think if you're a player of that level and you reach the semi-final of the Champions League and you play at home and you draw 1-1 and the other team had one shot that was deflected, that went in, and then you go to the second leg and you can only do nil-nil despite attacking and everything. So there's two draws, 1-1 and nil-nil, and you're still out. I, I find that... I would find that really frustrated and I don't really see the sense of it. So what would you do? Just play, have extra time? Yeah, after second? yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and I think, you know, I think it's, you know, again, I understand that it's harder to score or potentially yeah. harder to score away from home. But time, I, time to get rid of it. Football's moved on. Yeah. Do you guys agree? Yeah, I mean, you had that absurd situation a few years ago when both the Milan clubs played in a yeah. Champions League semi-final. Inter went out on away goals, even though they both played at San Siro. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, if you look at um, if you look at home advantage um, since the 1960s, um, it used to be that uh, 70% of the time the home team won, and that's progressively declined um, to the point where I think it's now under 50%. Um, and yeah, the away goals rule was implemented um, to encourage the away teams to attack and be a little bit bolder. Um, I think they are now. Um, yeah, statistically, that's proven. Teams go to play away as though they would at home. So I think it's, it's, it's about time that this was gone. Gone. Julian Broughton asked, what impact would scrapping away goals in Europe, as suggested by the elite managers, actually have on two-legged ties? It will definitely because uh, many teams are playing uh, and are favoring playing uh, home the first game uh-huh. and just uh, getting the nil nil at home. Jose Mourinho loves that and then scoring a goal away. So I think that yes, it will have an impact. It will right. have an impact definitely. But there is something that uh, Diego Pablo Simeone has been complaining a lot for years, and I think that he's absolutely right. In the with the away goals rule, mm-hmm. you got some parity. There are 90 minutes at your home, 90 minutes away, and you have to deal with that. But what when there is extra time. Why is the away goals still standing? 30 minutes in which the away team is going to have a 30 minutes advantage over the other club. Right, because goals there count not double, but, you know, more. Yeah, of course. Uh, so there is one team who's got 120 minutes away, uh, which means that uh, he's got that uh, extra option of uh-huh. scoring an away goal. Why is the away goals rule standing in the extra time of the second game? That is something that Simeone has asked to many UEFA members, but he never got an answer for that. Because right. there is no answer for that. It's, not, it's just not fair. He's not part of the elite managers group, is he? Uh, no, but he has been. And every time that the Atletico de Madrid has played the playing uh, game in Europe, uh-huh. uh, has been asking the same question in the sure. press conference as well. Oh, I was just wondering why he's not. You know, to be fair. Well, no, I, mean, I think he's been there in the past. He has been there. Yeah. The okay. Cool. Uh, okay. So yeah, broadly in favour, Scott Kyo. I think that's right. Hello, Scott. Wants us to mention the fact that the Partick Thistle player who scored but whose goal wasn't given against Greenock Morton. Hasn't been awarded the goal, as we know, but he has been awarded the gold bonus, which is given to charity. Scott says, I think this deserves a mention. You're absolutely right. As does Robert Earnshaw's remarkable tweet, which Richard Cohen uh, references. Uh, since we... This is Robert Earnshaw. Did you see this, Jules? No, I haven't, no. Really? No. Okay. So, the former Cardiff, uh, Nottingham Forest and Wales striker asked, since we sent robots to Mars before sending humans, isn't it possible that the first extraterrestrials that we encounter on Earth could not be the aliens themselves but might be their technology instead uh, Richard Cohen says Robert Earnshaw asked that would be good to know what you think about his theory also if this extracurricular interest was why he was so good at finding space <laughs> nicely done but it's true though isn't it no I mean you know we send probes so likely anything arriving here Jules is going to be some yeah. some form of 
early. So they might already be here and we don't know it. Well, if you think about it, like the Russians, the first thing they sent into space was a dog. And I think the Americans followed that up with a, a monkey. So yeah. who knows? Exactly. You know? They're already here amongst us and we don't even know. This table, oh, you think this the table. monkeys might have come from outer yeah, space? Yeah, or objects, you know, they could have sent over. Some people behaving like robots. Yeah, that's <laughs> that so there true. are many as well. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe they are the aliens. Very possibly. Have you seen that John Carpenter film, <laughs> They one? Live? Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. Great, great <laughs> movie, no? That's, uh, that's very much, you know, that's they're, they're amongst us. <laughs> Have you seen that, James? No. Oh, you really should. Rowdy Rod- Roddy Piper, who I'm not familiar with in his wrestling guys, yeah. but I know Ben's like, he's jumping up and down in the control booth over there. Um, he's picked up a steel it's, chair. It's a great, and of course, it's got a great theme tune because nobody does theme tunes like John Carpenter. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Another man who knows who Rowdy Roddy Piper, of course, is uh, Matt Davis Adams, who's just had his first baby, who's host of Parts Unknown Wrestling Podcast. So, congratulations to you. Matt, and to, of course, your wife who did all the work, Amy Adams. The who Amy, the also Amy in, Adams. in what was that recent oh, yeah, alien true. film? Yeah. yeah, It wasn't Arrival. Was Arrival. It was Arrival. It was, yeah. a, was it Arrival? Yeah, but they're already here, James. Yeah. Yeah. So they've arrived. Yeah, interesting. That film was a lot about how time is a flat circle. Hmm. So, you know, they've always been here, I suppose. And that's, <laughs> I, yeah. yeah. Anyway. So, oh, here's another question. Uh, Danny Reeves, what do you guys think about the Liga's latest craziness. They're offering to subsidise fans' travel to this league game they're going to do in the States, free hotels and reduce flight costs. Looks like it's going to be Girona against Barcelona. I'd be fuming if I were a Girona fan. They don't I, have many to start with, so... All right, but this is such a huge controversy, Alvaro. They don't have many supporters, all right. Yeah, Fine, I can buy that, but it's a huge controversy. Beyond the Girona thing, I mean, this has got fans in Spain up in arms, no? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Everyone uh, says that uh, that game is going to be Girona versus Barcelona, a game that was supposed to be played on the 26th, 27th of January, January 2019, uh, and it will be held in Miami, all this theoretically. Uh, Girona uh, will get 1,500 free tickets and a compensation package for those uh, season ticket holders mm-hmm. that don't want to go to Miami and watch a football game in there. Uh, but the thing here, the thing that uh, relies... Uh, is Javier Tebas, the Liga president, not having explained this well to media and especially to clubs. Uh, meaning that, that uh, it was said and announced uh, that La Liga was going to be played in Miami, but uh, the, the right details weren't shortlisted as soon as news broke. Therefore, all the clubs didn't know pretty much what they were going to do, what was going to be made and which fixture was going to be played in there. I think that from the communication level, uh, La Liga has done everything upside down. Mm-hmm. They should have explained everything better from the beginning. But even if they explained it better, just the principle of taking a league match, one of your your, your 20 sides, home fixtures and playing it on the other side of the world for essentially commercial reasons is, is something that's, I think, quite horrifying for also, most fans. This is a Catalan derby. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and another thing, Girona only got promoted last year. <laughs> so this is what would be the second opportunity that, that they'd get to play Barcelona at home. And it's being taken away from them, which oh, I if, think is outrageous. They have, so they don't have like, the, it's not the hostilest place in Spain. But mm. if you're Real Madrid or Atletico Madrid, and it's, it's an away game that is not going to be away from home for Barcelona... Which, you know, we mentioned today, it's, it's usually tougher to go away, blah, blah, blah. Although it is going to be a long way away. Yeah, but it's, it's away for everyone. Yeah, yeah, I mean? but in so, terms of the next fixture, they've got to factor in an yeah, international but, flight. The Spanish Cup is in between as well. Oh, really? The Spanish okay. Cup quarterfinals are in between as well. Huh. Alvaro, do you think this is actually going to happen? I think that this is for real. Yeah, this is for real. I, I will give it. The Premier advanced. League floated the 39th game and there was <laughs> such an uproar that it, it, it's gone away. Possibly not definitively, but for now it's been kind of kicked into the long grass. This, you think, is going to go ahead? This is for real. Uh, and 90, 95% sure <laughs> <laughs> this is going to happen. Uh, like Brexit, maybe? I don't know. But what I can say is that the problem here is that also the... This cannot be arbitrary. It cannot be Barcelona Girena just because those teams accept it. Or it has to be there. 
every club plays one game away or none of them because what if Girona gets relegated uh-huh. having lost those home points which probably they would have lost anyway but isn't it better to play in front of your supporters in your stadium competitive football rather than in Miami when you are going to be effectively the away the away team because I can imagine the Latino people in Miami will support Barcelona mm. definitely not Girona unless they are Real Madrid fans I think <laughs> also Girona is owned 85% by the Manchester City. Yeah, Manchester City group. That Pere Guardiola, who is Pep's brother, also has shares in the group, in the in the club. And if you put all that together, you know, when you know how much the Manchester City group wants to expand everywhere, and we see that with all the clubs they've bought, it's, it's not a surprise that it's Girona that will be playing that game, you know, in the US. Wow. It's all a bit, it's all a bit dodgy, though. Mm. So, at present, in terms of resistance to this, in terms of people threatening any kind of action, the fans, other clubs, anything, is there any prospect of it being derailed? Yes, there has been a, a threat that I would call um, a little bit fake, really. The Spanish Football Union met last week and they threatened with uh, having a strike if this was going ahead. But so the- they'd have to have futsal players. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I, I tell you what, they are good. But, uh, Alvaro's cousin. Yeah, and Alvaro. Hopefully. But uh, there was no unity against the Footballers Union. For instance, uh, Athletic de Bilbao players wouldn't attend, uh, didn't attend that meeting. So if there is no union among the Footballers Union, mm-hmm. mm, how can this be stopped? So I really think that this is for real, guys. And uh, Javier Tebas, La Liga president, is trying to export La Liga brand now that Cristiano Ronaldo is gone, especially for that. And they are trying to catch with Premier League, catch up with Premier League, which is going to be really difficult and probably costly. Okay. It wouldn't have happened to a nicer guy than Javier Tebas, who's always lecturing everyone about how great he is and how rubbish everybody else. Well, on this one, PSG, <laughs> not so much. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. All right. Well, there's so much more to discuss about what's going on in Spain. So why don't we have a little... Pause, and then we'll be back with some of that. And before before we talk about Spain, yeah, it's, it's Alvaro's debut today, isn't it? That's true, and George. What are you proposing? Deb- usually debut. Yes. No you, way. No, no it's an <laughs> initiation. You have to sing. Yeah. Did you sing anything in your first yeah, show? But, but, but I was at, yeah, but <laughs> the show just started. We would have lost yeah. a lot of uh, Actually, listeners. it's not my debut, Julian, because I think that I've been in the show like five, six times sure, already. Yeah. So yeah. I won't be it's singing. It's your debut in the studio. I won't be singing La Macarena or anything like sure? that. What would you sing if you were going to sing something? La Macarena. Yes. Would you go with that? Right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Dale a tu cuerpo alegría, Macarena, que tu cuerpo es para darle alegría, Macarena, y cosa buena. Dale a tu cuerpo alegría, Macarena. Hey, Macarena. Oh, nice. <laughs> well, this is the end of my career. No, that was no, really well I think well it's done. the start of a new career. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Now, the um, Remo Festival. Mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, uh, La Liga, listener. Listener, come back. Yeah, right. La Liga. Now, there's lots to talk about here. Alvaro, uh, of course, good starts from Barcelona and Real Madrid as usual. Three from three. Barcelona's eight two last weekend against Huesca. Great starts just behind them from Celta Vigo, Diego Aspas and, and company, and, and Levante in, in fourth. But the story I most want you to explain about is Valladolid. Is that right, Real Valladolid? Valladolid. Valladolid. And 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 the new owner. Yes, uh, it's been. Uh... It's been a new deal for Valladolid. Uh, Ronaldo, the former Brazilian star, yeah, oh, phenomenal, yeah, has uh, bought the 51% of Valladolid stakes. Uh, so he's the major stakeholders. Wow, uh, so of, 30 million euros. So cheap. Yeah, but it's still a lot of money, Alvaro, for, for us. Yeah, so uh, do, is that his money or is he the front man? No, no, he, he's the front man. That, that is his money as well. Uh, I was reading that Ronaldo doesn't want to uh, take a lot of risks when it comes to finances. And uh-huh. normally he devotes only the 20% of his fortune to things or less. He's estimated to have a 300 million euros fortune himself. So this will be effectively the 10% of his money. Wow. And he has bought uh, a team that is uh, excited about the new uh, prospect. Uh, Ronaldo's working lines are defined by four words, competitiveness, transparency, revolution, and social. But uh, what uh, lies behind all this is just... uh, stability in the top flight. Uh, Valladolid was a very stable club in the top flight back in the 90s, but they haven't been uh, ever since. So hopefully Ronaldo will bring that stability. Okay, now they've just come up. They've just been promoted this season. 
Why? But why Valladolid? Does he have Valladolid? Sorry, does he have any connection with them as a club? Why? Why weren't they uh, just a good opportunity? No, there, there is not a there is not a clear connection in there. It's true that Valladolid has always had like a decent relationship with Real Madrid. There are some uh, wine sellers in there that Ronaldo has had an interest on. Okay. I think that he had some investments in there, mm -hmm. but nothing related to the football. It was something related to the wine industry. Uh, But yes, the main thing here is that Valladolid has something to be excited about, which hasn't happened to them in the last, uh, I'm telling you, seriously, in the last couple of decades. Right. Yeah. yeah. Is he going to buy them a new pitch? Um, it's, no, the, no one has said that yet. Uh, his investment is going to be, for the time being, is going to be quite modest, uh, if anything, uh, humble. And uh, he will go step by step. Uh, they were uh, people claiming him to buy Vinicius or to get Vinicius, the Real Madrid uh, young star that was uh, that plays in the th Spanish third division. Right. But uh, Ronaldo hasn't gotten that loan. Right. You mentioned sorry Vinicius, and, and, and I think a lot of people will have seen the story uh, playing for Real Madrid's B team in the third Castilla. division. So that he was bitten on the head. Yeah, and the picture is uh, traumatic. Yeah, I don't know if you have seen it, but yeah, it's yeah, unbelievable. It's... Vinicius couldn't believe his eyes. It's been uh, something that the Spanish media has echoed a lot because Real Madrid has a lot of impact in Spain and mm. in Spanish media as well. And uh, I cannot believe that that happened in competitive football again. I mean, uh, the last time I remember of a biting, it was Luis Suarez in 2014. Mm -hmm. And Suarez, uh, the time was... before that was Luis Suarez. And the time before that, was <laughs> Luis, Luis Suarez, Suarez again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, the poor Vinicius is uh, getting to learn uh, how a Spanish third division can be. Right. What, any word yet on the punishment for the, the biter? Uh, I'm not too sure about that. I couldn't okay. confirm that, but there will be definitely a punishment, of course. Okay. In, perhaps in retrospective action will be taken, yes. Mm. But, well, uh, you'd hope so. All right. So up at the top then, uh, Real Madrid, who saw their all sorts of numbers about shares and social media followers plummeting after Ronaldo left. But in football terms, even though they haven't replaced him with a big name, they've, they've started really nicely. They are still all right. You can see the first signs of Julian Lopetegui. The possession is key for Real Madrid. They are attacking and defending very far away from the new goalkeeper, Thibaut Courtois, who played the first game uh, last Saturday. And it was funny, it was funny to see how Keylor Navas got the award to the best goalkeeper last season in, <laughs> in UEFA, and then he went straight to the bench. Right. Uh, but Real Madrid seems to be... Perhaps they are not uh, good enough to win Champions League. Probably now Real Madrid uh, fans, they are going to abuse me in social media for this. But uh, I think that uh, Real Madrid has a better team to compete for La Liga than Champions League this season. Because if you check the squad last year, they had some players on the bench that made the difference. Mateo Kovacic was one of them, for mm. example. And, uh, and many more. Uh, Marco Asensio was on the bench a couple of years ago. James Rodriguez, Pepe, Álvaro Morata were there as well. If you look at the Real Madrid bench now, it's a bunch of promising youngsters plus Keylor Navas, but I don't think that that is enough to be competitive in European football. Right, OK. And the likes of Celta Vigo and Levante, how, how long-term are their prospects of continuing the success? I, th I think that the, the key for them is uh, staying in the top flight. Right. Uh, Celta de Vigo may try to fight for the Europa League positions, but I don't think that they will be able to do it, really. Okay, Atletico Madrid currently down in 10th. Yes, uh, because Diego Pablo Simeone has a really uh, good squad at the minute, but I think that Simeone is a very good manager when he manages the scarcity rather than the abundance. Right. Uh, and uh, this has happened to Atletico de Madrid over the last years. Uh, everyone demands Simeone to play attacking football. Then Simeone realizes that attacking football doesn't work for him and he's back into his uh, old ethos, which mm. is defending first and winning 1-0. Can we just just mention Joaquin, who came on at 37 years of age to win the uh, the Syrian derby, which I thought was amazing. I mean, he came on from, and I think a few seconds later, a few minutes later, he scores the winner. It's in 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 a tough tough game where I think there was like 10 yellow cards and one red card or something. And wow, for Joaquin at 37, I mean, yeah, it's super cool. Uh, he is a super charismatic guy in social media. His social media are hilarious, uh, really. I mean, he's, he's a really nice guy. And uh, he was only up to uh, able to play 20 minutes, no more than that, because he had a, an injury in his calf, I think, and he managed to, to win the derby, uh, something that he, he didn't score in a Sevilla derby since 2002. So we're talking about the beginning of the 21st century. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for the guy, really. Joaquin is still one of these franchise players for Real Betis. Yeah. Mm. He's working quite a lot on his social media. It sounds a bit like choking. <laughs> so, Alvaro, what a sensational debut. Show's not over yet, though, because uh, look out. Here come the odds on some of the games we, we've been discussing today, courtesy of producer Ben, 
who's been speaking to Paddy Power. Thank you, Jimbo. Lee Price from Paddy Power is on the line. And Lee, it's International Week, so let's get right stuck into things here. England are taking on Spain at Wembley. Uh, Give me the odds, please, on England winning 2-0 and Harry Maguire scoring at least one of them. Yeah, well, we finished further than them in the World Cup, so that definitely means we're better than Spain. So this must happen. Uh, The odds of England winning 2-0 and Harry Maguire scoring are about 16-1. to If you just fancy the 2-0, it's 15-2. to Maguire's quite a short price, actually. 6-4 to to score any time. He's our biggest threat, after all. Well, let's see uh, how those odds compare to Scotland. They've got a friendly against Belgium and a Nations League game against Albania. What about them doing the double? Yeah, hard to work out which is the bigger and more important game, really. Um, they are 10-1 to 1 to win both games. They're just 5-1 to 1 to beat Belgium, which could be any price you want, in my opinion. Uh, but they should beat Albania, at least. We've been talking a lot about France's game with Germany with Jules during the show today. Can Germany regroup and shock the world champs here? We think yes, actually. They're just six to five to win this. France are nine to five. The draw's two to one, so very tightly priced. And let's talk about the really big one, Lee. Liechtenstein to get the win over Gibraltar. Um, so when I asked the traders about this one, at first they said, are you sure you don't mean a different game? That's not a big game at all. I said, no, he's, Ben's being sarcastic. Uh, we have got a price for this eventually. It's one to three for Liechtenstein to win this game. Gibraltar a massive 17 to two, but they're usually around 33 to one. So maybe the draw at four to one is quite interesting here. Well, you can find out those odds and more at paddypower.com. All prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's 18 plus only, begambleaware.org. And when the fun stops, stop. We're going to be back on Monday. I mentioned this before. Daniel Story, Michael Cox and Tom Williams are with us. Let's now hope you are too. James Horncastle, lovely to see you. Ciao for now. you got a big weekend? Stag do. Oh, no way. Where are you going? Isle of Wight, apparently. Yeah, be my first choice as well. Yeah. Right. Uh, anyone you want to give a shout out to? Uh, Dave, whose stag do it is, I suppose. Yeah. Right. Is it yeah. going to be messy or is it going to be not so messy? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'll see. Yeah. I think no two words. Usually when you when you say it's, like it's not, too. it does. Yeah. But yeah. Right. So. Avro? My parents are coming over to London this oh. weekend. Is it going to get messy? <laughs> it is, yeah, yeah, a lot. Probably having a chicken tikka masala is going to be the oh. craziest thing I'm going to do with them. Fantastic. Uh, so, I will inter- what, so when they come to London, what's the first thing they like to do? Is it chicken tikka masala? No, they... my, my father always wants to have a pint. Does he? Yeah, and then my mother uh, wants to go shopping. I I am very patronizing here, but that is the way it goes with my parents. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's that's fair enough. Julien, what do your parents like oh, to do? Clear, when they come clearly, clearly. Oh, when they come over. Oh. Uh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, what are you up to this weekend? Well, I cl- I'm clearly the only one working. So, oh. Yeah, because oh, yeah, you're off to Germany now. Yeah, and then uh, France, Netherlands on Sunday. Wow. You know, to celebrate the uh, to celebrate the World Cup win. Yeah, congratulations on that. Uh, Super. All right. Well, listener, whatever you get up to, hope you have a great time and catch up with us on Monday. For now, from all of us here, it's bye-bye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. And make sure you check out our other football podcasts, the revamped Totally Football League show with Caroline Barker and the brand new Totally Scottish Football Show. Supporting your team can be a beautiful thing, but then come the injuries, the goal droughts and the downright disastrous defeats. That's a little bit like life, really. And here at the Totally Football Show, we believe we should all support each other the way we support our team, through the good days and the bad. And that's why we're continuing to work with Calm, the campaign against living miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide. On average, 12 men take their own life every day in the UK. So that's your starting 11 and your manager every single day. And part of the problem is that many of us still feel uncomfortable talking about mental health and suicide, and this can often stop men from opening up and getting support when they need it the most. So if you're worried that someone close to you is having a tough time, check in with them and let them know that Calm is there. Every day from 5pm till midnight, Calm provide a free, confidential and anonymous helpline and web chat for any man who needs support. Visit thecalmzone.net to find out more about Calm.